Hello everyone, I'm Bathaya and this is the book club. I'm really excited you're listening and I certainly hope that I can bring out a word today that will give you a little understanding or a little better grasp of the scriptures. You know, we've spent some time on Genesis 1-2 and I just want you to know that I'm not going to spend this much time on every verse that we go over, but I'm trying to make a point with this verse. Uh, not only do we need to understand it, but we need to understand the importance of words. You know, this book is God's Word, and we have to understand the words. They're very important. They're important in, in this Bible. They're important when we speak to others. They're important in our daily lives. And not only do we have to pay attention to the words we use, the words we say, but we also have to be careful about these words that we hear. Where are you going to put your faith in? What words are you going to put your faith in? Because I must say it to you again, and I've said it to you before, the deceiver, the evil one, will try to twist your words around, try to twist others' words around to deceive you. What did Satan do in the Garden of Eden? He twisted God's word. He twisted it around. And we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we have to get the word of God in us. And we have to keep reading the word of God. And we have to keep going over it and saying the verses over and get it in us. So we can't be so easily deceived. And we must, I tell you, we must be careful who we pay attention to, who we listen to, what words we're hearing. We can change our whole world by just changing the words that we use. Let's look at Proverbs eighteen twenty one for a second. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Death and life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, those words that that tongue spills out of it, out of your mouth. Keep talking sadness. Keep using those words, and you're going to be sad. Keep talking anger words. Keep talking them out. You're going to be angry. So you can either speak words of life, or you can speak words of death. But I'm going to tell you, God speaks words of life. And he spoke those words when he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke it and he came into being. God said, let there be light. There was light. God said it and it happened. And you know, we have that power too. Proverbs specifically tells us we have life or death in the power of our tongue, in the power of our words. Let's look at Matthew twelve thirty six, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. That ought to tell you right there how important words are. That ought to tell you right there that God's listening. He knows. He understands. And he's trying to tell us that we use the right words, listen to the right words, hear the right words, and do not be deceived. Genesis 1-2 reads, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. 
I love those few words. The Spirit of God moved. Let me ask you a question. Is God moving you right now? Is His Spirit within you moving you to get closer to Him? I have a few words for you. Maybe you could say them over and over. You could pray them over and over. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, forgive me of my sins. God, keep me on the right path. God, keep me in your will. Those are easy, simple words. But they're powerful words. They're the ones you need to say. They're the ones you need to live. They're the ones God needs to hear. You know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to get to heaven. You know, some might tell you that. But getting to heaven, getting in a relationship with God is very simple. It's very easy. You have to believe on Him. And and those words I just told you is a is a good first step if you're not there. If you're not there, pray those words out. Say those words out. Mean those words and speak them out loud. And they're powerful and God will hear you and God will listen and God will guide you. Do you know the first direct quote from God? Genesis 1-3 And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You know, this book that we're studying... God's Word that we're studying, it's a book of instructions. It's a book about life and how we should live it. And God gives us example after example after example, how to do it, what to do, why to do it. And and it's a book of patterns. Over and over there's patterns and patterns to make it easier for us. Make it easier for us more mortals to get it. So he, he gives us these patterns over and over and over if we would just pay attention. Okay, so we're going to move on now. We're going to look at this darkness, and we're going to look at the deep. So the Hebrew word for darkness there is shochik. And y'all, please forgive me if my pronunciation is off. I'm trying. Shushnik. Uh, that's the word for darkness here. And, and I'm going to ask you, do you know what darkness truly is? Do you know that God is light? God is not dark. God is not darkness. There is no darkness in God. So the word here in Genesis 1-2, Shushnik, it doesn't mean like it's dark outside. This is an unnatural darkness. Let's look at Exodus 10-21. Same word, darkness. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which may be felt. That's a heavy darkness. You know, maybe go to a concordance and look up all the different definitions of darkness. You'll spend some time there. And it's very they're very, very interesting scriptures. And you'll learn a lot. But I'll tell you this, if you're not walking in light, you're walking in darkness. So let's move on forward to the deep. In the Greek, that word is teachon, which means abyss, abuso, the home of demons and evil spirits. Now I'm telling you, that's kind of scary, isn't it? It's kind of scary. 
So this is where we're at with, with verse 2. But the earth became without form and void, and this unnatural darkness was upon the face of the deep, the abyss, the home of the demons. And here's my point. You know, and st- and, and until I started to study this and look at these words, I had no idea what the deep meant. I had no idea. But if we look and understand and, and grasp these words, it kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? There was this unnatural darkness on this earth. Unnatural darkness on this Tihio, the home of the demons. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, who can tell me when angels were created? Who knows when Satan fell? Everybody knows that he fell, right? Satan was cast out of heaven. If you read Job chapter 38, and I would suggest that you do read this uh, interesting chapter. Of course, the whole book of Job is an interesting book. But if you look at it, it reads that the angels wit- witnessed the creation of earth. There's a lot of dialogue going on in Job. Job talking with all of his friends, trying to figure out what Job did wrong to to lose everything, to lose his family, to lose his livestock. Job lost it all. So God decides to step in and, and I guess, quiz Job on science. Let's look at Job 38. We'll start at um, 38.4. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. God's challenging Job's arrogance a little bit. He's saying, look, where were you when I laid down the foundations of the earth? Who has laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And in the Old Testament, if you see that term, sons of God, it's referring to the angels. And that, that scripture right there, Joel 38, 7, is telling you that the angels were there upon the foundations. They were applauding. They were watching from heaven as God's creating everything. So we see that at Genesis 1, 1, the angels were there. They were in heaven celebrating the creation of earth, right? But we also know that at chapter 3, we got a problem, angel, don't we? We have a problem. So I'll say it again. In Genesis 1-1, we have angels. Genesis 1-3, we had a problem, angel. And we know Satan's already fell at that point. We understand that he fell somewhere in between that time period, but the Bible does not specifically tell us when. I think we'll talk about Satan here for just a few minutes. Um, Here's another book, another chapter, I should say, that really you should spend some time reading and, and, and researching a little bit. And it's it's chapter 28 of Ezekiel. The whole book of Ezekiel is fascinating. Let's, let's go there and let's start at 28.11 and let's go down through 
13. I'm going to read that to you, okay? Now, 11 says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, and these words are in red, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Now, Tyrus, the king of Tyrus here is talking about Satan. Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, this is telling us that he was full of wisdom. He was no dummy and perfect in beauty. You know, we see these little characters of Satan with the horns and black and the, the tail and the pitchfork. Look at here. That is not Satan. Satan was a beautiful cherub. 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The ruby, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and gold. The workmanship of thy settings and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to read 14 and 15. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created till iniquity, unrighteousness, was found in thee. Perfect till. And we know that the angels and Adam and Eve were clothed in light. Satan was an anointed cherub. And the cherub, they were the protectors of the deity of God. And he was perfect, perfect, beautiful, full of wisdom. He was the head honcho, so to speak. There have been talk that he was music, had musical ability, led worship in heaven. He was perfect until... That's a little bitty word with a big, big implication. He was perfect until. Okay, so we're going to go back to Ezekiel 28, and we're going to start at 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, thy, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. 17. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thine wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. What? What in the world does all that mean? Well, I'm going to be pretty straight up frank with you. It was pride. He thought he was the pretty one. He thought, look at me and all my brightness. He was sticking that chest out, walking around like that, that rooster in the, in the barnyard, cock-a-doodle-doodling. 
I saw that pride. And I'm telling you, Satan thought he was the king of the king. He wanted to be God. He thought he was just as good as God. He did that pride build up in his heart. And I tell y'all, that's where it starts. That's exactly where it starts. And we know where it landed him. He was ousted out of the mountain of God. God kicked him out and he cast him to the ground. So I got a question for you. Are you smarter than everybody else? Are you prettier than everybody else? Do you have a better house than everybody else? Where's your pride? What fills you up? Because I tell you, pride got Satan kicked out of heaven. Are you going to let it keep you out of heaven? There is only one perfect one. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. This is Jesus talking. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Those are the five I wills. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will be like the Most High. Look, we can say I will all we want. We can try all we want, but we will never be like the Most High God. We can't. We're not God. We'll never be God. We are to worship God. So this is what we know. We know God created the heavens and the earth. We know at some point, Earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We know the angels saw the creation. We see that they celebrated, applauded, cheered the creation. We know that pride built up in Satan and he wanted to be like God. And we know that God cast him down, out of heaven. We know those things. And we know that in Genesis 3, Satan has already fell. And we know there's so much pride built up in Satan that God cast him down. And Satan hates Adam for lots of reasons, for lots of reasons. Then he probably saw Adam's arrival on the scene in the garden. He's probably seen it. I'm sure he's seen it. See, Adam's ultimate destiny will be through the earthly ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he, he was heirs. We're heir. We're heirs. And look, Satan gave that up. He gave it up. And, and, and look, he doesn't want you to go to heaven. He doesn't want you to be able to do that. He had a lot of pride, and he messed it up, and he wants to mess it up for you. That's his only purpose. So as we finish up this time together, I want to read to you one more time Isaiah 45:18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. 
he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Look, y'all, God doesn't create void. God doesn't create chaos. God doesn't create confusion. There are lots of people, lots of scholars, people smarter than me, who believe that there was a gap, a time period, something happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, I will be very frank with you. I believe something happened between 1-1 and 1-2. I think I've laid the case out for you pretty well. Am I right? I don't know. Am I wrong? I don't know. But for me, it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm going to say it one more time. God is not chaos. He's not the author of chaos. And if you'll go back and you'll look over the scriptures we talked about, study it some more. Tell me what you think. Email me. The Book Club with Bethia at Gmail. And Bethia is spelled B-I-T-H-I-A-H. The Book Club with Bethia at Gmail. Tell me what you think. Question me. Give me your thoughts. I welcome them. I truly welcome them. And at the end of verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. You got the Spirit of God hovering around. I tell you, it's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. I hope you've enjoyed today. I hope you've enjoyed spending some time with me. I promise you I've enjoyed spending time with you. We're going to end in prayer. And when we get together again, we're going to talk about the Spirit of God. Father, we come to you today thanking you. Thanking you, Father, for the beauty of this world that you gave us. This beautiful earth, this beautiful creation, Father. The creation that you created, Father. We thank you. Father, help us. Help us to stay on the right path, Father. Help us to stay in your will, Father. Keep us grounded in your word, Father. And help us to understand your word, Father. Father, I would ask you to forgive us of our sins. Father, I would ask you to bless America, Father. God bless this country. Father, God bless the people of this country. Bless the people of the world, Father. We're living in such perilous times. We need you as never before, Father. Father, I thank you for the words you've given me today. And I would I would ask you to bless everyone who hears it, Father. They're not my words, Father. They're your words. They're your word, Father. And I thank you. In your holy, precious name, I pray. Amen.